We thank you, God, for your word. Thank you that you've preserved it. Your word is being battered. It's, it's being pushed in a way that it hasn't in a long, long time. It took a long time to get to us. It's a big process to get your word to us. And the enemy is trying furiously to get it out of us. But we thank you, God, that it's our, it's our grounding. It's our strength. And we stand in it. We're going to get into it deeper and deeper. As the world tries to pull it away and water it down and do all those things, we have decided to get into it further. Trust it even more. We just thank you, God, that your word is here because you said that you are the word made flesh. We thank you, Lord, you're here. Speak today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to just keep moving with this theme that I've been, the Lord's had on my heart. And, uh, you know, basically the Bible has, as I've been saying, this, uh, this theme of seeds and plantings and roots. And you can find this theme through the entire Bible. It's very interesting. I hadn't looked at it like this before, but... As I started to look into the scriptures, the Lord just kept unraveling. I didn't plan on just keep moving with it. Um, I had mentioned some things about seeds and growing in gardens just kind of by accident in my sermons initially. And then the Lord started purposing it. I realized that, he, that the Lord's got a theme that he's speaking. And I love that he bypasses me, don't you? Um, I want you to look. We're going to start in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. We got something really special today, and I love his word, and I mean that as I prayed that. It's just being, the Bible's being so battered, and uh, I, don't, um, I don't worry too much about what everybody else is doing out there, and that's why you don't hear me, I don't mention other pastors and other churches, other congregations, because that's not my job, but... Um, but I do see a lot of it, just being a Christian. Um, I see a lot of, of, I'm just being careful because I don't, it's not my job to bash, but I just see a lot of the word just getting less and less and less. And it's like, I almost find sometimes that we, we as pastors can open the Bible and read a scripture, but just to really springboard us to what we want to talk about. You ever see like where they pull up in a scripture and it's like, you know, the guy just then just goes on and talks. So I don't want to do that. So let me go right into it. I love his word. And I love this chapter, Hebrews 10. I had planned on getting into Hebrews 11 today. I wanted to talk about the hall of faith and these great men of faith. But you have to start in chapter 10 because he starts prefacing a few things. Just before chapter 11, he says a few things that lead right into chapter 11, and I couldn't get out of it. I realized that this is what the Lord has for you. And it says in verse 32 of chapter 10, it says, I want you to think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. That's a special thing to do, isn't it? We should keep doing that as Christians. We should be constantly reminded and thinking about what Christ has done. And think back what you first learned about Christ. Remember 
how you, or, and also actually there's even beyond that, it was talking about this enlightenment, this, this uh, it's not a new age thing. The new age steals it from the Bible, but the original text is talking about this enlightenment that happened. Something spiritual happened in you. Your eyes were opened when you came to Christ. Your ears, he was standing there in the flesh and there were those that saw him and heard him, and there were those that still saw him and heard him in the flesh and did not see him or hear him. But there was an enlightenment that happened in you when you came to Christ. And that's why the people around you, you know, today, the people around you who don't know him yet think you're crazy because they just don't see it. They don't hear what you hear. And then we, we don't judge them. We, don't, we love them, but we think that their beliefs are crazy. How can you not see? How can you not listen to Jesus? And how do you come up with all these things about him when he was so the epitome of love? And listen what it says, though. But it says, remember how you remain faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Now, I have a big problem. I've, I've mentioned this in the last year. I have a big problem when a Christian says, I used to, that, oh, back then, that was when I was on fire. Oh, I remember at this time, that was when I was really seeking the Lord. Now, it's not bad to say something like that because we rem- there were, there's highs and lows, there's mountaintops, there's valleys in life. But what a horrible thing that we, we, we look back at that moment and we're not still living in it. We shouldn't look back and then just say, that was cool then, because what you're going to see here is he's reminding them, remember how you love Jesus so much. Now, we don't in this country face the things that some Christians are facing today. Some Christians today, and depending on the country you're in, are facing exactly what we read in this chapter. We're facing different obstacles. It doesn't mean the devil is not battering his church just as much here. You don't think we're being persecuted, but that television that you have, that internet you're being bombarded with, uh, you, can't even, you can't even get on the internet and search the Bible without seeing an ad for something that a Christian should never see. We're still being persecuted and bombarded just in different ways. In this, in this country. But nonetheless, he's talking about uh, uh, an actual physical suffering that they went through, but they didn't care. He says, remember how you remain faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. In verse 33, sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned, look at 34, when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew, listen, you knew that there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. I love that. So verse 35, and this is where I want to move from today. I want to preach from this line here. So to sum up these things, thinking back, remembering, remember, listen, that you love Jesus to the point that nothing mattered, nothing else. They couldn't really take anything from you because nothing else had value anymore. 
Nothing in your life, including your physical life, had value anymore. Remember that that's what it meant for you to come to Christ. Remember that that's what it truly means, coming to Christ, that there, it doesn't matter what they do to you. Now, we don't face maybe the physical things that some nations do, and they did here, but we have faced things. We faced the ridicule on our families. We faced uh, things like, you know, not having those friends anymore. You, there's, there are things, when you came to Christ, I remember that um, the music collection, I had a pile of CDs, and I went out in my backyard, and I smashed them with a sledgehammer. And I'll never forget that day. There was something that happened, there's something that changed in me, and there was a removal. There was, a, there was the things that I had in my life, and, and I didn't need them. There was none of those things anymore in me. And he's trying to remind us, even to the point of that no matter what comes. Now, if we, I believe that as true believers, we haven't seen this type of physical thing happening in us, but that same heart in you, when you came to him and you, re, you rejected all those things, your friends and your family, if that's what it was, and the way you used to talk and the things you were into, the same way I believe you would have gone through these things as well. And that's the same heart that you need to continue with you, that heart that says, I just need you, Jesus, continually. I need you, and nothing else matters. Nothing else has value. Jesus told us that it's like when you, you found a treasure and you get rid of everything else just to have that treasure. And he says here, to sum it up, he says, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. He's warning them to not throw away, which when we see in the Bible, we see this all the time, and you hear me a lot of time with the word warning. When we get warnings, what is that? It's a caution that this is the potential. When he warns you not to do something, he's saying that this could happen, this may happen, or this has already happened in your life. But he's warning you, to not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember, remember the great reward it brings you. Verse 36, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue. Don't you love the word continue in the Bible? I think that some Christians have forgotten that word. Continue, so that you continue, continue, keep moving, keep doing God's will. Then, then wait, so wait, there's a continuation. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will because as you continue to do what you did when you started, that's when you will receive all that he has promised. Now, like I said, I really wanted to get to chapter 11. I wanted to talk about the guys that paid the price and did great things for God. And we're still reading about them today. And you have to read this, but I realized that this is the key. We could go through each of their stories, each one, and this was the key that they continued, that they endured, that they stayed close. They just kept going with God. 
and they remembered what he had done so that when the next thing came, they trusted him again. It says in verse 37, for in just a little while, come on, this is our promise. This is our promise, guys. Verse 37, in just a little while, the coming one, this is Jesus Christ will come and not delay. And my righteous ones, or my just, or the just, right? Or my people, God's people. The righteous are who God considers right in his eyes. The righteous, the godly people, Christians, a real deal Christian, will live by faith. See, we get the prequel here to chapter 11, the faith chapter. But it's mixed in. Do you see what it's mixed with? Do you see what faith is? He says... He's saying, patient endurance, verse 36, is what you need so you will continue. You need to endure. Remember what you faced coming to Christ. You faced pushing away from this world no matter what the cost, right? As I'm saying, there's different costs for different people in different nations and different times, but there's a cost. And you faced it willingly. Continue to face that cost because it will keep trying. It'll keep trying to take from you and just keep giving, just keep giving, keep doing God's will because the promise is coming. It will not delay. We have to believe God. We're looking at time. We're living in time. But if he said that he's not delaying, he's not delaying. We're looking and saying, God, where are you? In fact, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that there'd come a day, there'd come a time where they would start saying, where's his coming? Where's his coming? That's what the world would say. But he did not delay. The Bible tells us clearly the only reason that there's the time has gone on is out of his grace so that more people can come to Christ. But he says, and my righteous ones or the just will live by faith. But look at the second verse, second half. We love quoting that. The just will live by faith. Faith, 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 faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. What is he talking about the challenge here? What is that challenge? What's going on in, in this, this chunk of scripture? He's talking about remembering. He's talking about the things that you suffered. He's talking about what the cost. He's talking about endurance. And then he says, and he's talking about, wraps that into our faith. Right there, jammed in between, is the cost and the cost and faith. He says in verse 39, but we, come on guys, this is us though. We're the church. We are his people. This is us. We are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. We are the faithful ones. We're the ones who will stay with you, stay close to you. Because this is what's happening. You read this in chapter 10, and then you read about the hall of faith in chapter 11. But look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27. Actually, if you could back up. Hebrews chapter 12, let's start with verse 26. It says, when God spoke, uh, we'll go to verse 25. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking for this is talking about the time 
where they, they just come out of uh, Egypt and, they're, and God wants to be with his people and they're coming to this time where they're just about to have this experience with God and they say, Moses, you know, you do it. I don't want anything to do with God. And he says, for if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. Verse 26, for when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. And when I've said before, when Jesus promises, when the Bible promises, when God speaks, believe me, it may take time in our perspective, in our reality, but he will fulfill his promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also, verse 27, this means, that, uh, of, uh, this means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. So we have this picture that he's giving us here in Hebrews of not being shaken. Then he gives us this great example all these men that were not shaken in their faith and endured to the end, and then sums it up here in chapter 12. Listen, don't forget that it's coming again, that God will shake again. God is just about done with things. Now, he wrote this 2,000 years ago. I can only imagine we're a little bit closer and as I've said before, whether time itself is closer, our time is ticking. We've been talking kind of about that theme this week's as well. Your time is ticking regardless. And God will, the only thing that will last are the unshakable things. And what God is looking for in his people, and I believe we need this. It's like, it's such a tough thing to preach because it's like preaching it's like telling you that you need to change your oil, but your car is brand new. It doesn't really make, doesn't fully make sense today. But there's going to come a point where you better remember what God's told you because it's going to come to a point of pressure. There's going to be a time, there's going to be times in your life, whether the times or just things in your life will come that will pressure and try you and if your faith can be shaken, it will be shaken. If it can be, but if it's unshakable, if it's immovable, it cannot move. And what I want you to know is that you need to hold on to your confident hope today. You need your confident hope today. No matter what your trial is, no matter what your struggle is, Technically, your faith is only as strong as, as, as it is tested. How do we know how strong something is? How do we know how long something will last? How do you possibly know? You can think you have strong faith until all of a sudden something comes in your life. And we are all faced with things all the time, just as they were here. And at the very moment that you're faced with things, and I believe that greater things will come, greater deceptions are, are coming. Just mark these words. This is, I'm, I'm quoting 2,000-year-old words that, that things are coming. 
that things and God is going to shake again. I believe he's already in the, I believe that God's already started doing that process. And that's why we're starting to see a bigger divide. God's already starting to divide who are his real people and who aren't. And that's not my job to stand up here and say, and you won't hear that out of my mouth telling you who's who. But I believe that God's starting to, to he's starting to do some shaking and it, and it causes you to do one of two things, to be shaken. And what happens when you're shaken? You don't have any strength. You don't have any bearings. You have no, you have no root. We're going to talk about it a little bit. You don't have any foundation. You will be shaken. But as God begins to move and it begins to, he allows things in the world to happen. He allows things to happen to us because then it makes us dig into him or we fall over. And the Bible says, confident faith, verse 35, don't throw this away. This is, you're going to need to remember because remember that the great reward it brings you. And I have so many things on this. I just want to, I don't want to give you too much at once, but let me just be led by the Holy Spirit and bring you what I believe he's got. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, God has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. That's a definition of grace, that they just wrote that in. It's by our faith we have been, we've been given grace. It's undeserved privilege. Now, where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. You know, that's what the men of the hall of faith had. Because the Bible tells us clearly, I just didn't have the time to go through. I mean, it's just, it's a lot and I already have a lot. But it tells us clearly that they didn't even fully get the promises that they thought they were living for on this earth. That's what the Bible says clearly, because there was a greater promise, an eternal promise that was beyond this earth, that was beyond their lives. And that's what it is to share with God's glory. The ultimate thing that will, when, when our faith is shaken and when we're pressured and pushed, the thing we need to hold on to more than anything is not that, that this natural victory is coming in my life. Not that I'm going to see this particular promise in my life, but the promise. When you set your eyes on the promise, on the glory, on confidently and joyfully looking forward to sharing God's glory, then the things of this life, they kind of just come and they kind of just happen. You're less focused on this thing you need right here, right now, and more focused on that. And these things just come. And that's what we saw the disciples. That's the way we saw they live. That's the way Paul lived. That's for sure. It's for sure. But it says, verse three, we can rejoice too when we run into problems. Look at look what he says. We got this joy. We've got this confidence. So because of that confidence, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. We're going to rejoice when we run into problems and trials because listen what it does. For they, we know that they help us develop endurance. Do you rejoice when you run into trials? Who in here rejoices when they run into trials? Thank you, Lord. I'm rejoicing right now. This is me rejoicing. Because 
We develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So this confident hope that you need during the trial will be the very thing that will get you through it. That's our hope. You hold on to that. What can the world do to you? What can the devil do to you? What can somebody do to you to truly offend you if you're holding on to the hope of eternity? What can be taken from you if nothing can be taken? What can be shaken if you can't be shaken? Now they can shake the things of you of this earth, can't they? And those things fall off and those are the things we're weeping about but they cannot shake the salvation and the hope and the eternity, the life that you have in Jesus Christ. They cannot be shaken. Only the things of this earth. And God's doing a shaking already. That's what he's doing. And don't worry about those things. It's, it's the time where it causes you to anchor down. It causes you to put your roots. I've been talking about this. Sorry, I'm doing it again. You got to put those roots down deeper. And we'll read some scriptures to back that up. But it's the confident hope of your salvation in verse five. And this hope, come on. We need to listen to God's word. We don't need to think about these things. We don't need to try to figure stuff out in our head. The Bible tells us clearly we need to read these things and hear these things to encourage us. God's word encourages us because what he does is he warns you, he corrects you, and he comforts you. It's what he always does. The devil, he'll just slice you down. We talked about that in our Bible this week. He just comes and cuts you and slices you and he condemns you. But God comes, he shows you the right way, which we could call conviction, showing you the right way. And then he comforts you. And then he promises you that he'll get you through it and give you everything you need to go through whatever this world puts on you. And he says, this hope, you got to believe it. Do you believe it? It's a confident hope. You know what the opposite, you know what the antonym to confident is? Doubt, insecurity. Well, Jesus talked a little bit about doubt, didn't he? Jesus talked about doubt. He talked about it. And now we're talking about this confident hope because the hope we have in Christ is the opposite of doubt. And if we look at his word, for instance, and we doubt it, our hope is shaky. So then when the trial comes, when the things come, when the world comes, the devil comes. We don't look at this. We just look at the, the issue. But we are confident in the hope that Jesus said, that the Bible says, Romans says, that this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. There we go. I told you I'm going to start saying it every week. God loves you. We'll never ever be accused of not talking about God's incredible love. God does love us and Jesus loves you. 
so much that he died for you. And when he died for you, he purchased this ability that wasn't available before, this seal that was able to come on you because of the blood on the cross that gave you union with God one-on-one. And you didn't have that before Jesus. You had religion before. But there was this seal of approval. This seal came down and it's the Holy Spirit to fill your hearts with love. And he doesn't just fill you with love. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God gives you the wisdom, gives you the knowledge, gives you the strength, and gives you everything you need. We need to anchor to this hope like never before. And, 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 and you could just listen to this as a sermon and say, well, that was encouraging, but I, I don't know how to express it. I'm trying to preach it to myself that we really need to grab hold of it because I see that trials as they increase in your life, it doesn't matter what it is. We've all gone through things and and I believe that the world will see darker things, but even if the world doesn't and life goes on and I have great, great, great grandchildren, so be it. You will face things in your life that will try to shake you to the core. That's a reality. I don't need to tell you that. You already know that the world has seen those things without the end, without the apocalypse You're going to see things that will try to shake you. And there's this hope that we have in Christ that's not shakable, but you have to remember it. There's there's something in you that has to cleave to that and that alone. It says in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. See, there's a trusting in him that fills you with something. You give God something, he gives you something. He started it. You started it, God. Well, you started it. He started it. He gave the offer first. And as you accept it, you get something. And then as you give him something, you get more. And then, as he, then he offers more love to you and more life to you. And then you grab hold of more, and then he gives the offer for more. It's never-ending. And in fact, as soon as you stop that process, as soon as you stop, that's when you need to go back and read Hebrews 10 again. And you need to remember who you were. You need to remember what you were willing to do for Christ. You need to remember how far you were willing to go for his name. Because if you've forgotten that, it's just a small trip to falling. It's not far away, but if you remember that, it will make you, as we read, enduring and strength of character and confident in the hope of our salvation. See, in Matthew 24, verse 6, Jesus told us, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Don't you guys love coming to church Sunday morning? Just wanted to give you that. Verse 9, that's for you today. And verse 10, and many will turn away. Listen to what the Bible says. Now listen, I'm not, I wanted to read this, not saying this is the end we're in. I see the potential of it. There's definitely the potential that this is the end. Jesus said, you look at the signs, right? We've been, we talked about this a little bit too. You look out and you know when it's summertime. 
You know when it's wintertime. Wintertime's a little bit more obvious than summer in the Northeast. But you know, so, I mean, I think so, but whatever. So did Paul, and that was 2,000 years ago. It doesn't really matter. The reason I'm reading this is there's, a, there's stuff that can come. Look what he says. Things can come, and they will push you and persecute you, and it can get you to do this. Verse 10, many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Whether it's the end or just your trial. Listen, uh, um, I was just doing some meditating and spending time with the Lord, and I was thinking about this concept, and then I uh, I went to one of my, I love one of these, one of my sources for some, just some uh, Greek words, Hebrew words, and he had a, an example that was exactly what I was thinking, that there are pastors uh, in my lifetime that have walked completely away from the faith. I mean, not out of their, their sect of Christianity and not out of being the pastor's role, but there are those that have just walked away. I mean, completely forgot because what happened? If you go to their life, you're going to find this. You're going to find that they had an uncomfortable situation in their life. I don't know what that specifically was for each of them, but something shook them. And instead of being grounded in Christ, they were grounded in their, on this earth, and in these situations, and so when those things started shaking, they lost their faith. In fact, listen, I will promise you that I will seek the Lord every day. I will keep pushing to be the pastor, and, and I have no intention of leaving here. But even if I were to leave here, you need to be so grounded. Churches need to be so grounded in themselves in Christ that it's not about this church. So many times when churches close their doors, the people close their doors. When you say that again. So many times when the church closes its doors, the people close their doors. Why? Because their confident hope was in something else. Your confident hope needs to be in Jesus Christ alone. Your faith needs to be that he guaranteed you eternity, that he guaranteed you a salvation of hope, that he guaranteed you that no matter what they do to you and take from you, you will be with him for eternity. Period. And if your hope is in any other thing, believe me, if it can be shaken, Jesus, the Bible tells us it will be shaken. If it can be, it will be. But if it can't be, it can't be. Plain and simple. But Jesus said, in verse 11, and many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Verse 12, this one we know so well. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness and sin. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. We don't read that verse a lot. In fact, I remember I was talking to this um, Christian who was kind of on the fence. And I said, well, don't forget, remember what Jesus said, he who endures to the end will be saved. I said, where does it say that? That's not in the Bible. I said, yes, it is. He didn't, hear, he didn't hear that. He didn't like that. Because what it does is it paints this picture of works and it's you and it's not Jesus. Listen, oh, I can get so frustrated. I'm not going to get political. I'm not even going to go there. But you know when, when something is just so backwards, it, it's like all the new age and all the other religions, then we're so afraid, we're, we're afraid to do anything as a religious experience because we're afraid we're going to look like all these other religions, when in fact, 
Jesus started it, and they're just copying us anyway. Then we get afraid to have this, this experience with God because, oh, well, maybe we're going to... It's just a backwards thing. So because we're so afraid of the works, then we just don't do any at all. We don't do any enduring. It's just backwards. And that's enough about that. Let me bring this home. Colossians chapter 1, verse 23 says, But you must continue. There's that word again. You must continue to believe. You got to keep having, your faith needs to stay. And I love, love, love this. I love a lot of verses, don't I? You're going to hear me say that every week. I love this. I love his word because it's the only anchor. There's nothing else. You can't just make up your own word. It's got to be the word. It's not my opinion. And it says, you must continue to believe the truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. See, there was an assurance that came in you when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Let's pull up, pull up the New King James Version of verse 23. It says, if indeed you continue in faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. Do you see the conditional, but you must continue? You see how each of them translated it with the same idea that there's an if, there's a continuing, there's an enduring as a believer. And the world, the world, the things around you, your own flesh, your own mind, your body, the devil will try to move you. And there's a call as a Christian to stay grounded. In fact, I love this word. The reason I love this verse so much is that it actually, the Greek word here for steadfast is actually even stronger than these words. It's literally the word immovable. Do you know what immovable is? Not movable. Immovable. That means it doesn't matter what comes. That's why, he's, that's why in chapter 10, Hebrews, he goes through some of the extremes. Jesus is talking about some of the extremes. And there are those that are movable. Some will move. Jesus told us that. And there's some that aren't. And the condition is you. If you're relying on Jesus to do it for you, now I gotta be careful and you're gonna listen. I'm gonna say it and then I'm gonna explain. To do it for you, you will be mistaken. Now let me explain that before they, you take that and run with that. You hear the heresy he said? The world thinks, remember, we got some, we got some things floating around got a movie floating around right now that thinks that Jesus is going to do it for you, whether you believe him or not. Anybody know that movie in the theater right now? There is a lie that snuck into the church that Jesus loves you. Don't worry about anything. Don't do anything. Just keep loving him. And that core of that is not, a, that's not untrue. Absolutely but you forgot the other part. 
that the same way, and you hear me say this a lot, you made a choice to believe in him. Jesus doesn't make anybody believe him. He didn't make his disciples follow him. He didn't make Peter not deny him. Wow. Remember when push came to shove Peter's flesh, and I'm not judging him. We've, I've talked about that before because we all would do the same exact thing in that moment. I pray we wouldn't, but if we'd all be pushed to that point, gonna deny him. Now, Jesus' grace and mercy. Now, this is the gospel. Now, this is where it gets tricky. So where people, they say, oh, well, see, you can't deny, you can deny. Uh, it's all Jesus, it's not Jesus, not me. No, let's look at the picture. There's a pushing and stressing in you and you can come to the brink and even denial, but Peter comes running back to Christ every time. That's the enduring. That's the sticking it out. It's even when you get pushed to the brink where you've messed up, you've even rejected him, but you don't stay there. See, what the church, what, what Christians could, might want Jesus to do is to accept them in their failing and just let me live in it now. And Jesus will love you. It's not a lie when the church says that he loves that sinner in their sin right to their deathbed. That's the truth. But if you love your sin, if you love the, the thing in you, it's not Jesus' love failing you, is it? You made that choice. The enduring is completely up to you. Can you do that in your own strength? That's an obvious answer. No. Is it in Christ? Yes. Is it only in Christ? Yes. Is it saying the same line, relying on Jesus to do it for you? Yes. It's a yes, but it's no. <laughs> it is a yes, but it's this heart that says, I'm going to stick with you. You can't just assume that Jesus is going to do it, but then walk away from him. He tells us clearly that there's this like sticking out. There's this immovableness to you. There's a place that God plants you. And if you try to take what he put in you and take it somewhere else and go and live your life with what he did for you, then you are movable. You've moved. Jesus plants you. In fact, because I don't want to drag this on. Look what it says. It says in Jeremiah 17, verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in, hum in humans and in your strength, in your own strength, and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. Things don't grow in salt. Verse seven, but blessed, this is us guys, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. And such trees are not bothered by the heat the New King James says that there's no fear when the heat comes. And it says we're not worried by long months of drought. Who's been in some long months of drought? And they're not worried by those things. Their leaves stay green because Jesus said, 
you know, all these things may be taken from you, but I will never let you go hungry. I'll keep you clothed, didn't he? Your leaves are going to stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. And we, that's the sum of what we've been talking about. The main thing is the devil's not as concerned about you personally. I mean, if he can get at you, he's getting at God. But if you, as I've been talking about, there's this call and there's a gift in you that's growing and trying to get out of you, and you are the potential for millions of seeds. So if he can get you, ultimately, when you're dry, you stop producing fruit. You stop doing what God has called you to do, and then the devil has gotten a bigger victory than just you, but the millions of people that you have the potential to affect. And in the last verse, Proverbs 10, 25, and this is what I've been talking about all morning. It just sums it up. When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. The whirling in your life, the trials, the things will come. They might just be in America, ours are a little bit different. It might just be as a Christian, you start, even to other Christians, start looking a little bit different because you don't want to do the things of the world. And as other Christians, you know, want to mix the world and Christianity together, you're going to be ostracized that you don't want to be that Christian, the one that doesn't want to mix the world and with your Christianity. That's a little bit different than the, the prisons, but that may come too. But it doesn't matter what it is or what you're facing, whatever you're believing God for. I mean, I'm going to just talk about faith from this week into the next week. Whatever you're believing God for, wherever you're standing, there's this immovableness in you that you're relying on him. And you can't go searching. And I, so I was talking about the toiling last week. You can't go trying to find your own way and make your own way. You got to stay with him and your hope is in him. And it doesn't matter. Uh, I saw this picture of a palm tree. The Lord just showed me a picture to, 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 for this sermon. And I saw that Florida hurricane winds. You know, you ever see the pictures of the palm trees like this, but it doesn't die. I mean, it's blown around it is whirled around and we can, we've all felt that. We have felt so many things whirl us and push us, but they, they're grounded. They've got such a great root system that they just can't be moved. Let's stand. We thank you, God, that you have called us. You have redeemed us. You've given us such a confident hope, God. We are anchored, we are grounded, we are rooted as your church in the hope we have in Christ, in Christ alone. It is in you and you alone that we are anchored and that we trust in, that we hope in, that we believe in. And it's not in a church, it's not in a denomination, it's not in anything of our own strength, but in you and you alone. And I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us, that you would help us. Lord, show us where we've come short. Lord, in the ground, in the things, the areas where there's water down there, there's places in you that if we'll let it grow, if we'll let it get deeper, that there's sustenance in you that we haven't even tapped into. Lord, help us, strengthen us in Jesus' name. Amen.